Hello and welcome to Who Uses a Director of Football, an FM podcast with myself, Lewis Rowden, and my co-host. Tom. I'm loving the head shake, Tom. The, the lilt, the rhythm, you're clearly back in the groove already, despite us, you know, putting this out a day late to the usual. I know, I've been waiting here for 24 hours, Lewis, on a Zoom call, waiting for you to dial in. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I've just been so eager for everything aside. Stayed up through the yeah. night just to just to uh, just do this podcast twenty four hours later. Yeah, nothing to do with the Super Bowl then. Just just really, you switch that off. You just put the Zoom call on a dartboard with my face, just chucking darts at it. Exactly. On that note, I did, did, you, did you stay up? Gone. Yeah, I did stay. I did stay up to, to watch the Super Bowl last night. I, I absolutely loved it. It was a really really good Super Bowl. There's always times like when you're when it hits like two o'clock or half time normally, where you know I'm not too bothered about the the halftime show, and um, Rihanna not cutting it for you. No, she was alright. She she was pretty good, um, but I'm not too bothered about it. Uh, there's always a point then where it's like, oh I'm quite tired. I could close my eyes for ten minutes, and once you do that, you've lost the night because you're you're going to sleep. But it was such a good game. Didn't cross my mind, and in fact at that point there, I knew. I wanted to watch the second half because it was so good. I poured myself another bottle, another bottle, another glass of red wine, uh, just to make sure <laughs> I didn't fall asleep. Uh, which is kind of it's kind of an inverse. Normally, glass of red wine sends you to sleep, but but if I've got it with me, I'll have to drink it and then I won't fall asleep. So uh, yeah, for the record, another glass of red wine, and not wine. another bottle at two o'clock if, on a if Sunday. If you're listening, mum. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> Super. You missed. What? You missed it, right? Yeah, I missed out on what seemed like a classic. I just decided, despite having the day off today, that sleep was preferable. But annoyed, I missed a great one. I just felt my logic being, my logic just being that, you know what, they both won it recently. I don't really mind which one of them won. They're both fairly inoffensive teams, aren't they? So, so it was uh, yeah, quite happy and didn't have a horse in the race as a. As an Atlanta Falcons fan who went to bed at halftime during the time where they lost the Super Bowl to the uh, Patriots, so managed that to miss them all. It was yeah. anyway was enough about mad, yeah enough about football in North America. Let's talk about football in South America. Nice, you've been waiting that to do that good, transition that was for good. a while. You've been waiting for that one for a while. You know what? I really wasn't. That came to me there, but that was good. If ever, if ever, if ever we get, um, if ever there's some sort of uh, football manager podcast award ceremony, clip that bit up and send it because that is that's, that's going straight for that's going straight to gold. That yeah, that was a touchdown of a of a transition, if you will. Um, yeah, that which, was less so. That was less so. Yeah, agreed. Um, well, you've provided your own transition and we've ruined it. So what what is happening? With the Audax Italiano boys making all the noise. The Audax Italiano boys making all the noise. Well, I think when we last spoke, I'd just finished uh, my season where I'd lost in the cup final and I'd just missed out on uh, Copa Libertadores um, qualification, but had qualified for Copa Sudamerica. Um, and yeah, we just finished the season. So obviously... What I need to update you now on, or what I will update you now on, is transfers, how we've got on in the Copa Sudamerica, and how we're getting on in the league. Because 
I'm 15 games, I think, 14 or 15 games into the season. So that is yeah. bang on the halfway point. So plenty to update you on. So I'll start off with, with the transfer market. So obviously you finished the season. What's next? Bring in some players, especially to build on uh, our good finish in the league, our great cup run too, and getting ready for for um, Copa Sudamericana. Is it Copa Sudamericana or Copa Sudamerica? Sudamericana. You said this last week. The podcast literally called it. I know, yeah, I can't remember. Anyway, so Copa Sudamericana football. Um, and obviously it's a bit more important to get a bit of depth. Normally in the league, we literally have one game a week, Saturday, it's either Friday, Saturday or Sunday, whereas in the group stage uh, of the Copa Sudamericana, if we got that, that was because we had to play a, um, a qualification game. So I had to plan for the fact that we might have these quite a lot of games. So I needed a, a, a big squad. I thought, right, what do I, I need? Because I really liked the squad. It didn't shout to me that I needed wholesale changes, really. Yeah, yeah. Didn't think I was going to lose any players. Um, potentially one, but I'll come to that in a minute. Um, so I thought, right, it's just it's quite nice when it happens. I can just sort of find good talent and, and bring them in. The issue I have, though, was the finances. My finances were really, they weren't good. I think it was about a million pound in... Um, in the red and this this is what i've sort of learned really is it's impossible to make money <laughs> as a chilean <laughs> football club unless you're in uh copa sudamericana or copa Libertadores. um you know the money for finishing where we finished in the league got absolutely nothing or very mm. little very little for getting to the final of the copa chile so i was like right i kind of probably need to sell some players here in order to yeah. in order to get the club's finances up I got given good wage budget and about a million transfer budget. So it was still good money, but I thought this kind of isn't going to last yeah. forever. Now I looked at some of my players and thought, who can I sell? Um, there was a few players that had release clauses and I thought, well, they might go. And equally, Carlos Basquinian, so obviously my superstar striker, he was wanted again by Wolves, by Leeds, um, by Porto, by Sassuolo. Um I thought, right, I would sell him, to be honest. And I think if I could get um if I could get somewhere yeah, he didn't have a release clause, but I thought if I can get six to ten million for him, I, I'd do a deal. Yeah. Um so I thought that's that's crazy money. That's what's that out is crazy for. money. Yeah. And I've got Marlon Vladovsky that can play there. I can go out and find myself a, a good striker as well. So I thought I don't want to sell him because I really like him. He's really good. But if he goes, he goes. Anyway, as I was doing that, I then got this bid, um, like a three hundred or four hundred thousand pound bid for a player of mine called Jordi Villamarin. Now, if you haven't heard of him on the podcast, he's a regen. But if you haven't heard me mention him in the podcast, that's because I haven't. Uh, I got him on. A, I signed him on a free. <laughs> I've never played him. And University Catalica came in with a four hundred thousand pound bid, and that's like that's a really good amount of money. I thought. Okay, well, see what happens here. I'll start negotiating with them. And I said to them, okay, give me, thought they think it's me about 400 grand. So if I can get five, 600 grand, great. So I went to them and said, give me 825 grand. And they went, yeah, okay. So <laughs> I sold him for 825 grand. This guy that I forgot that I'd signed, he did it. He does have some upside, but you know, he's a, he's a winger slash striker. I don't play with him. I just sort of signed him because he's a good young player. Um, Is he Chilean? And- no, he's he's Colombian. Even so, so eventually, it doesn't really. Yeah, yeah. 
eventually I'd probably have to sell him anyway. He was he was never going to make the first team, so I sold him for eight hundred grand. And all of a sudden, that pretty much put us uh, put us at a negligible put about zero in the in the bank. Like, this is great. I don't have to do this wholesale change to the club transfer market, which which is brilliant. And um, I thought, and then I started thinking to myself, like, what actually now do I need to do? There's very little. I've got a bit of money in the bank, but again, I don't necessarily need to spend it. Um, but then I got a bid from Porto, who I know are going to be my nemesis on this mm. save because they, they they're into normal players. Decided that. Yeah, for, for Luis Mercado, who is my Colombian centre-half who I signed from um, uh, Bogota the year before for 700 grand. And they they put a bid in at 1.1 million, which was his release clause. And it triggered it. And I was like, oh, no, so annoying. Um, mm. Kind of get it. Like, that's part of it. That's part of what happens. You get yeah. a million in the bank. He goes, I thought, right, I need to replace him. So I thought, I started trying to find players. And I really struggled. And what do we do here? But then... He signs the deal, and then immediately Porto come back to me. Do you want to loan him back for the season? Yes, yes, yes of I course do. do. Give him back to me, where, where I don't have to spend any money on his wages, and I get the one point one million, and I get to keep this great centre back for another year. Like, what is going on here? This transfer market is going swimmingly. So I've then got another one point one in the bank. I know it's, it's brilliant, exactly. Um, and then uh, something right. What do I do? And I think. Realistically, I think Baskinian is going to go, and he's only got another year left on his contract. Is it? I take um, it he's not. He's not interested in re-signing. No, he wasn't because he's he's wanted by top European clubs. Um, I think okay. So I'm, I try and find a striker, and I stumble across this absolute beauty, eighteen-year-old Uruguayan called Federico Fernandez. Um, and I signed him a two hundred and fifty grand. That was his his release clause. I think he was wanted by Porto as well. But they didn't. I, you know, I thought as soon as I put a bid in, tons of other clubs are going to come and bid for him. But no, they didn't. Sign him from Albion, and he's been he's been brilliant. And I'll come on to how we're getting on the league. But he's been brilliant. Um, I didn't end up selling Carlos Basquinian, so Basquinian is still there. So my two best players at the moment, I, I'd say Federico Fernandez is my second best player. Yeah, are my strikers, and I play with one up front. <laughs> uh, which is which is causing some issues, but I I knew at the time, long term, this guy is going to be probably my striker because I think it's yeah. going to be difficult to hold on to Basking and look, he's playing in the in the Chile first team. He's not going to stay for us for, for forever. Uh, yeah. I'm thinking so. I brought him in for two hundred and fifty grand. We then brought in, and this is sort of my strategy, right? Is if I can make money and I can sell some of these young foreign players. I will reinvest that into buying. First, plan A is to buy young, um, young Chilean players, because I think they can stay with me forever. Whereas the young, the young foreign players can't, because yeah, realistically, yeah, I'm probably going to need their designated spot. So I signed Sebastian Munoz, a great centre midfielder, um, deep line playmaker. He's been really good. I signed him for six hundred grand from Deportes uh, Antofagasta. He was great. And then all summer I was looking for, or March, I guess it was all winter, um, I was looking for a left-back. Um, I had a good left-back, um, Danielson Suazo, in my youth academy, but he's not he's not quite ready yet. So I signed Augustin Uruguayan from uh, Danube, Danubio for 250 grand. Again, 19-year-old from Uruguay. He's been really, he's been actually pretty good 
But when he signed, his ability didn't match the scout reports at all. He's got a lot of potential, but his current ability mm. was not didn't look that great. So I immediately had to think, right, and I didn't really have another good left back other than Suazo, who's definitely not ready. So I, I then went out and signed um, Paulo Victor, um, Brazilian left wing back. Not great. I wanted a... I didn't really want to use a designated international spot for him, but I have one left. So I've signed him and he's been solid. He's been, he's actually been pretty good. So I'll leave it there for now because that's kind of all the transfers I made. Mm. Um, I'll touch on, we're about to hit the transfer market again, the summer transfer market now, uh, halfway through the season. But like 1.1 million in, 1.1 million out, still got the million in the bank. We're in the, we're in the black. And yeah, it was it was it was a re- for not bringing in many players. I brought in some players, real star quality, particularly Federico Fernandez up front. And yeah, yeah it was just it was just a really really good transfer window. Didn't lose players. Uh, the only player I lost really of any note was Luis Mercado. So I've, I've had to have a think about how I replace him going forward. He's my left centre back of the three. But you know, I immediately got him back. So it's sort of I can sort of kick the problem yeah, down you, the road. And you might you know never know Porter. You might kick the problem down the road another year, and and then. That you just don't great. know. That would be great. Anyway, Lou, talk us about last time, you know, talk us uh, through where we left you last time at Universidad de Chile now. Um, and, uh, and where are you at now? Yeah, so I just wanted to t- touch on one player that I forgot to mention last time. And actually, he was probably the most interesting player to talk about. and I, uh, And that was... The goalkeeper. I didn't talk about our goalkeeper last time, Lawrence Vigerou. Now, if you know Lawrence Vigerou, you I have do seen know Lawrence Vigerou. Yeah, yeah, Vigerou. Yes. Yeah, yeah. For, yes. I thought I saw him play. I saw him play about three weeks ago at uh, uh, Orient. Yeah, absolutely. So in the game, they signed Lawrence Vigerou, and uh, ironically, he now left in the transfer window because I didn't get him to sign a new contract in time. But yeah, for for because of his Chilean ancestry, uh, Universidad de Chile on the game signed him before I got there for uh, 100k and took him off to the Chilean Premier Division. So a nice little, uh, almost sort of what we're doing, but but with a you know with a player in real life well not in real life but in 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 fm at least yeah i so, don't yes. think either of us are going to get get the chance to have watched many of the players we've managed in this save but uh, i can i can confirm i have seen Lawrence Vigoro. he's quite good yeah. actually yeah it's well, he's the captain isn't he for late Orient? so yeah he's clearly a decent player and he's been he was very decent for me before he had the tenacity to go to go to Audax Italiano on a on a transfer, but that was the uh, good decision, big man. I'll come to that. So you left me with a drab one nil against Deportes Recoleta. Um, we then we then had one game which we didn't play too well, which was a three two loss to Deportes La Serena, and we just were not at the races all game. But mostly, it was a pretty good end to the season. So, we played really well against Universidad Catalica, but couldn't make our chances pay. Uh, we And it ended as a one-all draw. And Eric Pulgar, who's a 
who's a Chilean international who I tried to sign, who turned me down because I couldn't afford to pay his wages, went to Universidad Católica and he scored their goal from a free kick. So that was particularly annoying because they didn't create a lot. So that was a one-all draw. Then we had a really drab nil-nil draw against Palestino, and that was a that was a a game that I thought would be quite important because we were the two fighting for the final two pseudo Americana. And I did check that again. You made me check it again, despite it being the name of the podcast and us, you know, repeatedly naming it. I did check it a, a third or fourth <laughs> time just to make sure. But yeah, it is definitely the copper pseudo Americana. But anyway, so so that ended as a nil-nil, really drab nil-nil. And then the game that obviously I've been waiting for for a while, the big one, uh, the first time we play Arturo Fernandez-Vial since I moved to Universidad de Chile. And it was it, it kind of was exactly... It went down how I hoped it would, which was we absolutely crushed them and Mamini Cooper tore 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 his old colleagues apart. Evo Mamini Cooper, the man who just can't miss. He had a goal in the ninth minute, a goal in the twenty-eighth minute. Uh Lucas Asadi scored in the fortieth and Pablo Aranguis scored in the forty fourth. Walter Ponce gets a consolation and his only goal that season in the ninetieth minute. But Ultimately, it was as comfortable as you like, and we win four one. So that was a that was a, a nice homecoming, and then we had a, a couple of wins. We had a really tough run in. So the way the run in played out, I was really pleased with. We won one nil against Everton de Vigna del Mar for a Dario Osorio header in the ninth minute of the back post. Boring. We keep playing really, for whatever reason, in the running, we played really well against the good teams and really poorly against the weaker teams. Had a nil-nil against Deportes Antofagasta. And then... Probably... I was going to say, Lou, just I'm sorry to jump in, just remind remind us whereabouts in the league sort of you're at, you are at this point, both in terms of dates, uh, how many games you got left, and what position did you... Yeah, position sure. In? Yeah, I should have said that. So the running... So... Fernandez Vial was our fifth to last game of the season. Uh, and then Everton de Vigna del Mar was our, our, our fourth. Uh, Deportes Antofagasta was our third. And then Colo Colo, which is the game I'm coming on to next, was our penultimate game of the season. So at home against Colo Colo, you know, you take a draw, you'd be happy with a draw. But we played really well and ended up with a 3 1 win with goals through Mimini Cooper. Emmanuel Ajeda from a penalty. And I love how I'm saying Mamini Cooper as if his name is actually Mamini Cooper through Evo Mamini. Uh, Emmanuel Ajeda and Franco Bechtold with a header again. He loves, a, he loves a header. Turns out his dad's in the game as well. His dad's a, a director of football at one of the Chilean clubs. So, wow. So, I was going to so say, you, in the should, family. you should bring. You should bring him in, but I mean, like, who uses a director of football? Well, indeed, there you go, a bit of a plug. <laughs> <laughs> I was thinking about that family guy. That said, there, and said, you said the name of the show. <laughs> Sorry, go on. And then, and then, the end of the season was as depressing as I hoped it would be—a very, very drab nil-nil. 
against Magalens, who were bottom of the league and who were comfortably relegated, but we played terribly against them away. So just what the fans wanted at the end of a season, a really drab nil-nil. But all of that meant that at the end of the year, we finished off our season pretty comfortably with that nice little end runner form. Sixth. So I think you finished fifth, didn't you, in your first season? Uh, I finished, that is a really good question, the first spot outside the, yes, that's right, I finished fifth. So, yeah, so I took, so in my first season, I took University of Dad to Chile from the bottom of the league to sixth. So I took us up 10 places, um, comfortably finishing in the continental spots. The nice story being that Fernandez Vial, despite a decline towards the end of the season, still finished uh, in eighth. So still finished in the Sudamericana places. So both teams I managed last season got continental football, which was which was lovely. It was a very heartwarming end to a season. Uh, the the Libertadores was always going to be a step too far because of because of the scale of the task, but yeah. but ultimately. Our form was pretty good, and I think at points in the in the rain, I, my, my form had a second on form. So you're happy with that? It's that sort of that first time, that first season when you take over a club mid-season. It's first of all, I guess, getting to grips with the players, understanding, getting a tactic working, and then it's just setting up for that next season, right? Yeah, and it's. The fact that you're you're playing in the Copa Sudamericana means you can probably attract some good players. It means there's something to look forward to next mm. season, a bit of a cup run, all those sort of things. Yeah, it's um, it's, it is important to finish that well because otherwise you go into that next season still not really knowing where you're where you're at. At least you've kind of got a good idea now. Yeah, absolutely, and that and and that's 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 exactly it. I think for me, it was a season to work out what to do with the squad, um, how I wanted the squad to play, where were the gaps, what what were the um yeah, what were the opportunities with the squad? And and interestingly, one of the things I did, and I know I Enzo La Rossa, who I don't know if you remember, was the starter who I started up front before Mamini got bought in for goals. And he and Larossa couldn't hit a barn door, um, unfortunately. Uh, bless him. The man is not a goal scorer, a good, good all-round striker, but not a, a, a not a, not a, a, a several goals a year, not a multi, not a twenty Come goals along. a year. So I jalintoned him. I moved him into the centre of the park. From I took him from up top into made him into a roaming playmaker in the midfield and he's actually turned out to be really quite good as a roaming playmaker in the midfield and he's been quite wow. he's he's started to contribute assists from midfield which is one of the most interesting tactical things I've done in FM because it's not something I do often but it actually worked really well um a couple of more talking points before before I either hand back to you or I talk about transfers. Uh, Vargas, Eduardo Vargas, University of Chile legend, 
Chilean football legend retired uh, in that final game. I put him for the final game of the season. I put him up top against Magalens in that dead rubber game. He was one on one with the keeper. That was the only opportunity of the second half, and he puts it wide. And it was what just a like, way to what, bow what, what a way to bow out. Yeah, he had that one one highlight that might have won the game, and he put it wide. And then the a couple of spots. One, I, I didn't buy him, but I spot. I really did spot my first absolutely unbelievably good South American regen. Uh, he's called Sebastian Riddell, and he is an absolutely like rapid class like defensive midfielder slash central midfielder and and he just reminded me of Ramirez for Chelsea that just like run the entire length of the pitch type player absolute engine yeah just that because I hadn't up until that point seen that many players that you're like they're gonna make it at the top in European football in FM but on this save but that was the first one and then why didn't you sign him because he they wanted six point two five million. Yeah, that was I didn't have the money. Um, but I'll come on to who I did sign. And then my favorite bit of favorite bit of news: uh, the award for the Jugador Argentina del Año came up. And who do you think won the Jugador uh, Argentina del Año? I'm guessing it might be... Well, hang on. I don't actually know what that award is. Is that a player's award? Yeah. Uh, Jugador is player. player of the season. Yeah. Okay. Argentinian uh, player will... of the season. Argentinian player of the season? Oh, well, it can only be... That can only be Ivo Mamini, then. <laughs> it can only be Ivo Mamini, indeed. And and to put it into perspective, Tom, the last two winners, one, your mate, you won't think of him, but... Uh, Luciano Vieto, who won it in at for Al Hilal in Saudi Arabia. I forgot about him. I used to really like him. Yeah, he used to really like Luciano Vieto. And more realistically, I think in my mind, Latoro Martinez won it for Inter. So that's the caliber of. That's, that's fair the, enough. Yeah. So I think the point of the award is there seemed to be a parallel one that was for players in Argentina. I think this is for Argentinian players who don't play in Argentina. So Mamini did win uh, the Chilean uh, like Golden Boot. He won top goal scorer and scored twenty seven goals in thirty games. I mean, I d- I expected him to step up. I didn't expect him to still be just about a goal a game as, as a striker in the top division. Uh, just you can't complain. We can't complain about that. But that's what's quite nice. Like he is, uh, he's a player that you can you've just sort of brought in, and it is absolutely plug and play. Yeah. Um, which is what's quite nice. That I'm enjoying about this save, obviously with, with Paolo and you in the mini. Like you can just sort of take these players with you, and you you know what they're gonna. You don't even scout them. It's like I just know your class. Yeah. You're gonna. I'm gonna plug you into this position. You're gonna play up front, and you're gonna score. However many goals goals for me and you know at the moment I guess we're right with the players that's happened but I guess that is quite realistic and you know we, we've talked about it before like Harry Redknapp right he yeah. must he always signed Jermaine Devoe 
because he, he knew that he could plug him in and he'd score him goals. Yeah. Uh, he, he signed Nico Crankyard because he knew he could plug him in and he'd create stuff. Yeah. I guess there comes a point where that loyalty turns to blind loyalty and we, we may well come, <laughs> we, we may well meet that <laughs> at some point during our saves. But for now, it's great. Yeah, a hundred, absolutely, a hundred percent. Now I'm loving it. I'm loving that I've built this. Yeah, this collection of Rivero players who 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 have that loyalty back. I mean, and that's what I like is that they have the loyalty back as well. And the mini would just uh, just the opportunity to work with Renzo again. You know, the man is taken him. You know, gave him a gave him a real chance. To, to play professionally, you know, at a senior level, that that loyalty was returned. So it's been, yeah, the the journey has been has been actually probably it's probably been the most realistic FM save. I think that's what's been nice is, you know, when you're not playing a one club save, you're doing more realistically what a manager, do, you know, how people go through their careers in real life, don't they? It's very mm. rare that. The first club that a manager is at is the one that they are at at the end of their career. Absolutely, absolutely. Right then, so I will bring you back now, Lewis. To uh, well, I say bring you back to the top flight of Chile. We're staying in the top flight of Chile, but we're moving back to to my save now um, to talk a little bit about how the, the season started. Like I said earlier, I'm halfway through. Um, touched on the players that I've signed, and um, you know, let's see how it's getting on. In with Ordax with, Italiano, with Ordax Italiano, who absolutely. haven't who haven't fired you, which is a change for you in the top line. Yeah. <laughs> it's great. Do you know what I I'm loving it so much? It, I'm kind of getting the same. I was thinking this earlier. My first club, Sudamericana, was a bit of a nightmare, and I never had the right players. Didn't last long enough to get any sort of connection. Chero, obviously, I had some success with obviously getting promoted, but I just hated the club and I hated pretty much all the players. Yeah. Santiago Morning, I loved. I loved them. I loved the players I was bringing in. I loved the club. They just didn't feel the same about me and sat yeah. me. Whereas this is sort of the first club, or like Italiano, that I love the club. I love the players. I love all the players. And they seem to like me and so do the board. So it's going well. It's going well. <laughs> is the And, and I, I, I'm normally... I'd be really sort of boyish about that. Oh, it's going really well. We're going to do this. We're going to do that. But based on the the the, the scars I've had from this save, I'm yeah, really yeah. reluctant to do that. But whisper it, it is going quite well. Um, I'm glad. We started off the season fantastically. First five games, we won three, drew two. Which And, and to, to my aim for this season really is to kind of carry on from where we left off. I'd be ha- I'd happy to happily finish fifth again. I'd like to maybe get into those... Top three, uh, well, the the Copa Libertadores positions. Winning the league is off the table, in my opinion. Going into the season, Universidad de Catalica are just too good. That's my view going into the season. That was my view going into the season. Um, so to to win the first, win um, five out of sorry, win three out of the first five, I was very happy with. Um, Carlos Buscunian, I started him up front, obviously with Federico Fernandez trying to sort of get him in, get him some game time when I could. Um, Buscunian scored in all of the first uh, three games. And in fact, Federico Fernandez scored in two of the first five as well, coming off the bench. So I kind of knew I had a player in my hands then. Nice. One thing, obviously, that was important to me is the uh, Copa Sudamericana. And I really wanted to get to the group stage. 
one because it was just really cool to do it's the next step but two financially it was so important we yeah. got 100 grand for making it to the um preliminary round first you know first and second legs um but we would get an extra 700 for making the um Ooh. the group stage and like that's just huge that's, that's doesn't huge. sound like huge money like that's selling a player i can keep hold of a player if i do that we were drawn against santiago wanderers so the way it works is you you get drawn against a team from your own country. Um, everyone got drawn against teams in their own country. I thought it was a coincidence at first, and then I reviewed the draw for the preliminary Thank you round. for... I hadn't realised that yet. I was a bit confused. Yeah, yeah. I, I To start with, I was like a bit... I was a bit annoyed because oh, I wanted some sort of exotic away day. And then I realised, oh, that's strange. Um, uh, team X are also playing against this... Co- and then I realised they're all... <laughs> everyone plays against the team from their own country so we played Santiago Wanderers and for me I went into this I kind of was really nervous I think this is like the biggest game of the save so far for me because this could take the club to the next level um, and I, I wanted a, I wanted to play in the Copa Sudamericana like, how cool would that be so I was really nervous going in and in the sixth minute Paolo comes up <laughs> scores it had to be Paolo <laughs> I love On the that biggest, so much. The biggest day of my save, uh, Paolo comes in really early doors, settles the nerves and puts us 1-0 up. I'm thinking, get in, my boy, Paolo, my son, well done. Carlos Busquinian then makes it 2-0 on the 18th minute. They immediately strike back and make it 2-1 in the 20th minute. But then on the 30th minute, Busquinian gets his second and it's 3-1. The rest of the game kind of petered out. There wasn't much else, which I was very happy, much else going on. I yeah, was very yeah. happy with that. Finished 3 1. I'm thinking, right, we're on a roll here. Like, we're doing really well in the league. We've just beaten Santiago Wanderers comfortably away from home as well. I think we're going to make the group stage. We then have a, a league game in between where we play Santiago Morning. And we got absolutely battered. Oh. We lost 3 2, but like, we. It, it, my time at Santiago one, uh, Santiago Morning, sorry, was probably best sum- summarised that we were battering teams and not getting results. Hmm. Like they clearly yeah. had turned it round. They were a really good side in Santiago Morning. It's annoying. <laughs> they just battered me, and again, they didn't get what they deserved. Sorry, didn't get the scoreline they deserved, but they did get the result. And Alan Ortiz hat trick for them, a player that I didn't play too much, and, and goals from Sebastian Valdez, my centre half, and Basquinian to make it three two. Now I'm getting a bit nervous because immediately it's the second yeah. leg of the Copa Sudamericana. And like I always think, I don't know about you in FM, when you're really when you have a good first leg, it I don't know why, but it just seems to result in a collapse in the second leg. So I was pretty nervous. Then we went one nil up, Carlos Buscinian. So I'm thinking, right, four one, this is in the bag now. They score four two. Luis Guerra for them. We get another one, Bascunian. Uh, two one up, confident again. Guerra gets another one for them to make it two all. I'm thinking, right, this is in the 65th minute. Yeah, I was going to say, what time was it? Lead. Well, yeah, and I, I remember, I remember thinking, like at this point, we've got 25 minutes to go. What do I do? I need to defend a two goal lead effectively. Should I try and shut up shop a little bit? I've got another formation I tend to play where I need to just keep the ball. Right, I'll do that. Immediate kickoff highlight. Baskunyan completes his hat trick <laughs> to make it 
3-2. Right, we've won the game now. And then not a lot happened. Federico Fernandez came off the bench. I took off uh, Bascunian to make it 4-2. And we make it to the group stage of the Copa Sudamericana. Oh, congratulations. Which I was really happy about. Yeah, yeah. Well done. I mean, it. I know exactly, and I'll come on to to to, to my Copa Sudamericana qualification campaign. But I know the feeling very well. I felt really tense before the the first game. It just it it's a lot, isn't it? It's a it's a lot on a very small chance. And the fact you've done so well in the league and then you might not get anything to show for it is just awful. Yeah, it would have been really frustrating. And I just sort of thought I think at this point I was thinking maybe even more so about the money because I just sort of finished the transfer window and I realised how important this is to the, mm. the club. Literally, all the only way you can really make money is by making it to the Copa Sudamericana or Copa Libertadores yeah. or selling your players. And the whole point, you know, what's great about making these connections with your players in FM is you kind of want to keep them. So yeah. I, I would have probably had to sold some players in... Well, coming up to where I'm actually in game now in this summer transfer window, but to give the coffers an extra about nine hundred grand, it's helped so much. So yeah, yeah, I was I was so pleased when that happened. It's probably my favourite moment of the save so far. Uh, and it, you know, there was a few bits of tri- um, uh, where it was a bit close, touch and, bit, and go, um, yeah, yeah, a bit touch and go. But but ultimately, it was still fairly comfortable. But I was so pleased when, when I found out we, we got it through. Yeah play in the in the group stage. So in the group stage, we got drawn against Universidad Cesar Vallejo from the top flight of Peru. Okay. Um Macara from the top flight of Ecuador. And Red Bull um Bragantino oh, from tough. the top flight of of uh, of Brazil. And that that's was they're a really tough. good side. That's yeah, that's a, a tough, tough draw. Game. And um we uh, obviously only the top the top team qualifies it's four in yeah. the group but only one team goes through that's brutal isn't it yeah it was brutal what i'll do is i'll, I'll break down yeah i think i'll go into a bit more detail on on those games now uh and touch on the league a little bit less so so obviously this isn't quite how it worked um if we had league games in between but i'll kind of go through how how that group stage worked but what's what's difficult as well is if you're managing in europe you know how how Juventus can compare to Man United. Yeah, you know, yeah. You're up against, I don't know, Ludogorets. You know they're probably one of the worst teams in the league. It's yeah. difficult to really know that when you're managing these club against these clubs you've never heard of. So first game we played against um, Universidad Cesar Vallejo at home and we won 2-1. Goals from Paolo and Bascunian. So these two guys click like, I really like these guys. Uh, obviously Paolo um but they just sort of pop up in the big moments. They're big game players. So we, we beat them 2-1, which was great. We then play um, uh, Makara. We score the first goal, Baskunyan. We then concede two, and then Baskunyan gets another one in the 75th minute, and that finished 2 all. And I thought <clears throat> that's disappointing because um, Red Bull Bragantino had won their first game I thought they're the team to beat here. But they also drew against um, Universidad Cesar Vallejo. So I thought, okay, that's not bad. Balance and then we've group. got two games. Yeah, we've then got two games back-to-back up against 
um, Red Bull Bragantino. Is it six games? It is six games, isn't it? You do play them. It both is, yeah, home and play. So we we go to Brazil for this game, and we just got played off the park, mate. Like it was, we got absolutely schooled. Lost three one. They went three 0 up, and then Federico Fernandez got a consolation goal in the eighty fourth minute. And I sort of thought, oh, that's annoying. That's realistically our because it's what was frustrating is second doesn't get anything. Yeah, just it's out. cruel. Well, it's annoying, isn't probably... it? And the third place in the third place in the Libertadores gets dropped down into the Sudamericana. So, yeah. so it's a yeah. bit cruel that there's nothing for the second place in in the yeah. Sudamericana. I thought, right, that's that's the that's the journey over. But you know, three more games, quite good fun to play. See what happens. Um, see if we can improve against Red Bull Bragantino. So obviously, if we beat them, we're 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 back on the same amount of points. But I just didn't think that was possible because they just yeah. actually battered us. So we, we brought them to Chile and we did beat them. We beat them 2-0. We turned it oh around. Federico God. Fernandez. Federico Fernandez off the bench and Luis Mercado, um, soon to be um heading to Porto, scoring for us late on in the 78th and the 90th minute. And it was like, this is great. The problem is though, their goal difference was much better than ours. They had they battered um Marcara in the first game, I think they beat them 5 0. So they had a much better goal difference. And that's what I'm thinking. Yeah. Okay. If I can win the last two and they drop points, we we could get through here. We then play um Marcara again, beat them 2 0. 2 1, sorry. It was but it was a comfortable 2 1. Luis Mercado and Federico Fernandez scoring again for us. So my centre half and, and striker um scoring. I think I started um Federico Fernandez in this game. Who needs Buscunian? Uh, I mean, Fernandez sounds phenomenal. He's so good, mate. And this is the this is what's really nice. So I kind of picked him as a replacement for Fernandez, thinking Fernandez would probably go in that transfer window, or Buscunian. I might need to sell him. Buscunian, sorry, okay. yeah, sorry, sorry, yeah, Buscunian. Uh But actually, I don't need to sell him now, and I'll come on to a little bit further developments um, once I finish this piece. But he is really good. He is fantastic. Yeah. It's what I might do is I might, you know, in time, I will definitely sell one of Bascunyan or Fernandez. I'm just sort of fattening them both up and we'll see what happens and see. Yeah, you see which car gets fatter in terms of the transfer, I would assume. Exactly. Yeah. If I can get like 10 million for one of them, which I think I probably should, be, I think I've got to do that deal. I think that's right for the football club. So we, we go into the last game needing, obviously, to win or really needing to better the result of um, Bragantino. Or, alternatively, we could beat um, Universidad Cesar Vallejo by three more goals than uh, RB Bragantino would beat um, Makara by. Keep an eye on the result, but really, I just need them to drop points. Um, Marlon Vladovsky puts us 1-0 up. Carlos Buscunian puts us 2-0 up. And then Marlon Vladovsky makes it 3-0. Within the within and uh, that was at the fifty fourth minute. I'm looking at that and thinking, Ooh. Red Bull Bragantino are two 0 up. I need two more goals. If I win this five 0 now, I get th- I go through. Yeah. So I run all out attack really from the sixtieth minute. They then pulled one back, and then Federico and I brought on Federico Fernandez at this point. Federico Fernandez scores, so it's now four one. So we still need two. And then they scored three goals in quick succession oh. <laughs> to make it four all. 
in the 90th minute. And I'm thinking, well, that's, that's tie over. But I, I haven't seen what the other result. I'm thinking, please tell me that Red Bull Bragantino haven't sort of conceded two because I'm going to kick myself because I've thrown away a clear yeah. uh, game that I could have won. But fortunately for me, on I guess kind of both fronts, they haven't thrown it away. They'd held on to make it to, to keep a, a 2 0 win. But also, then Federico Fernandez scored in the 95th. So we did win the game. So we finished tied top in our group stage, but but didn't go through on um, on goal difference. Oh, I kind of just went away like the end really of last. Proud. Yeah, yeah. A bit like the end of last season. Just and a bit like me with the Libertadores game against the loss against Flamengo. It's like, yeah. It's just like you've just the club has massively overachieved to even be in the fight there. So you've got to be, yeah, you have to be proud, don't you? I think, yeah, I think we did a really good job. I couldn't have asked for anything more, and it, it gives me a lot of confidence that where we are on in the South American stage. So, yeah, really, really good result. Um, and that kind of brings you up to date in the league. We've been ticking over. Um, winning quite a few games. We're fifth in the league still after 14 games, 25 points. Universidad Catalica doing really well. Annoyingly, the other team that's doing really, really well is Santiago Morning, oh, which God. is so frustrating because that's my team. I should have been doing that. Yes. Um, yeah, absolutely. And what one other, or two other little bits to note um, before I hand back to you, Lou. We've obviously got the transfer market coming up. And what I managed to do is I noticed that Porto dropped their interest in Baskunian and I thought we're coming up now to the transfer window so loads of teams will come in for him but we went for the uh, European transfer window um, but no one was interested for this split second so I thought right now's the time to pounce get that contract so I went into offer him a co- I went into offer him a contract but he, he wanted to include a minimum fee release clause of 1.1 million and his agent sort of said that's a hard stop we're not moving that and the thing is, at the moment he doesn't have one. So he's going to immediately go in the in the in yeah, the summer. Yeah. Or alternatively, I kind of hold on for him for another year and a half, and he goes in a free. I thought, what do I do? I thought, no, I can't put in a one point one million release clause. He's going to go immediately. So I, I said no. I walked away. He then immediately sacked his agent. <laughs> so because he said you know he wasn't happy with the, clearly with the negotiations. I then went back into him to speak to him. He said, why don't you put an offer for, to me first? So I put an offer to him and removed and excluded from negotiations all the minimum fee release clauses. <laughs> he then said, okay, that's fine, but I want a bit more money. So he wants, I think he wanted about two grand to start with. I offered him three grand, four-year deal, so many bonuses, but no release clause. And he signed. So I've got him for four years with no minimum fee release clause. Um, you must feel so like can, a jammy get, getting that through when he I had was, no one to defend him. I, exactly, exactly. I kind of, he was vulnerable and I took advantage of him, but I did it. I did so for the benefit of the football club. So I'm really happy with that. So uh, up front, I've got Carlos Bascuñan and um, Federico Fernandez. For the long haul, really, neither of them have release clauses. Pretty sure Federico. I mean, maybe Federico Fernandez does. He might have a 1.2 million pound release clause. So I'm trying to fatten them both up and see what happens. But Basquinian's really going nowhere, and I was convinced he would. Hence why I brought in uh, Fernandez. One final piece of transfer news: a deal that I did um, a couple of months ago in game uh, during the season. Because obviously Luis Mercado is moving on, so I need another centre half. And I think I think you'll really like this. 
who's a regen, so you won't have heard of him. Yeah, yeah. But I, I think it, I love it. I've signed a Scottish centre half oh, from fantastic. him. Fantastic. <laughs> I was like coming over to Chile from Edinburgh, born in Edinburgh, coming over to Chile is Paul Connolly. <laughs> so Paul Connolly is coming over, which to start with, I was like, oh, that's great. That's so up Hard street. But then I kind of remembered the whole reason Pass set up Corinthians in the first place yeah. was because he was so annoyed that Scotland were beating the English on the international <laughs> on the international field. So I kind of thought he hates the Scots, but maybe he's got a... Uh, He's begrudging got a respect, a begrudging respect exactly. for them. Yeah. So yeah, oh, I'm fantastic. signing a, a hip well, what, centre half. He's, what a piece 20, to send. He's 20 years old, so we don't, I don't have to register him. 300 grand. He's really good as well. Yeah. And uh, um, yeah, Paul Connolly's going to come over for a couple of years in Chile, and he's he's a proper. He looks a proper Scotsman. Um, he's ginger haired as well, so this guy is going to need a hell of a lot of suntan. Yeah, sun yeah, sun cream to get him through that that uh Sorry, yeah, yeah suntan lotion. Yeah, he's gonna yeah. get one hell of a suntan. Uh he's gonna need a hell of a lot of suntan lotion. Yeah. So yeah, he hasn't joined yet. He'll be joining literally in about two weeks in game. He'll probably be just uh, one giant freckle by the end, won't he? <laughs> <laughs> he absolutely will be. Um so yeah, that, that brings me up to brings you up to speed with uh, with where I am. So I look forward to in the next pod letting you know how Paul Connolly has settled into life in, uh, in, Chile. in in Santiago. Oh, fantastic! What? Via yeah, via Hibs. He's been on loan at Wraith Rovers and Kilmarnock, and now he's coming to Audax Italiano in the top flight of Chile football. Can't make it up, can you? Fantastic news. Go on, mate. Over to back, back to you. Okay, so back over to Universidad de Chile and the transfer window. So the first player who I brought in uh, was actually I was one of my kind of smarter um, pieces of business. So I went to the, the Chilean national team. Nice. And I just thought, let's have a look at the Chilean national team, see if any of them are, you know, out of contract or or you know coming to the end of their contract or even you know affordable would be you know I've got a bit of money to spend could I afford any of them how you looked in the first team as opposed to mining in the under 19s and 21s correct yeah I just thought you know what let's oh, go wow. for the full nationals see if I can get anyone half decent and the answer was more or less none of them <laughs> but I did. Having missed out on uh, having missed out on uh, the defensive midfielder who went yeah, to yeah, Universidad yeah. Catalica, having of missed course. out on Paulgar, I managed to bring in a centre back who was playing in Mexico for Toluca, probably the worst uh, centre back in the Chilean national team but he's still a, a full international have been, has been capped three times at the age of grand ripe old age of 32 he wasn't playing oh, for, okay he wasn't playing for toluca 
So I thought, you know what? I see Sorry's contract was running out. Put an offer in, in the classic fashion, when you can't afford someone, but you want them anyway. I wrapped up all of the bonuses and the various different clauses. And he agreed. So he he was an early signing. Um, and, and what's he called? He's called Valba Huerta, which I think is a great name. And Valba he, Huerta, yeah, I do yeah. like that. And he's uh yeah, he's he's solid. Just a solid centre back. And I've got to say this transfer window was a good one. And I think it really reminded me of transfer window season season two heading into season three with Fernandez Vial because of the fact that I got a lot of work done early. I got a lot of good transfer business done early. The other player that I've got lined up even earlier than Valbo Huerta, but I forgot about, was Lucas Barbosa. Oh, from, great name. Great player as well. Uh, from Santos, one of the sort of Santos squad players, who actually won the league last season in Brazil in my game. So, league winner, having played... Good pedigree. Yeah, good pedigree. He'd been playing. It's surprising that he dropped off. He was playing. He played forty six times in the Brazilian top division in twenty twenty four, and then uh, the next season only played fourteen times. And when he averaged a six point nine in the Brazilian top division, I thought, you know what? All right, he's not like exceptional for the Brazilian top division, but the Brazilian top division is a hell of a lot tougher than the Chilean top division. So I thought for Chile, he'd be a good player. So he's a real. Um, he's. I'm playing him as a Metzala in centre. He's quite an interesting player. He can play on the right wing. He's left footed, but he can play on the right wing or in central midfield. Nice. Um, and yeah, he's he's one of my favourite FM archetypes, and that's just a really all rounded. Uh, if yeah, like just he's just really rounded. He's solid mentally, solid defensively, be- even better physically. Pretty quick, decent vision. Is he a regen or is he? No, is he real, a... real player, real player. Nice. No, so he nice. must be about. He must be about twenty-one in real life. So he's a young player for Santos in real life. You don't seem in, in your side necessarily at this stage to have loads of. Um, my first eleven is pretty much Bar Valdez and maybe Ignacio Antonio is now pretty much all uh, is all regens. Mm. But I, I mean, I'm in the summer of 2028. You don't seem to have quite as many regens in your game yet. Well, thank you, Thomas. You couldn't have set me up better for this one. So cheers. really, <laughs> so my. Uh... My big gap that I thought I needed to fill was that I needed because I'd, I'd basically maxed out bringing Lucas Barbosa, who was twenty four, maxed out my five my five uh, slots. So I thought, you know what? What I really need is a Chilean defensive midfielder because I had this plan of moving a Jeddah from the back of midfield to being a ball playing centre back. So that was the idea. Um. And I didn't do that at all. 
because I found, and this was the scouts doing a really good job because he was just in the scouting centre, so I didn't have to do anything. Uh, I found Elton Searchin, which is a oh fun, yes, fantastic name. Who is a who was a nineteen year old uh, centre back in a Brazilian second division team at the time? Who and they'd just been relegated to the Brazilian third division. Uh, uh, very hard to pronounce. So I'm sure I'm going to butcher it, but Cricuma EC. Um, and they'd just been relegated, and he was by far, you know, he was a averaging in the Brazilian second division of six point nine in a team that was relegated over forty nine and forty nine appearances at that. So, so I thought, you know what, he's he's clearly good enough, and his stats wise, he's good enough. He's either footed as well, which is a bit of a luxury for a centre back. So play him, he's. Play him on either the right or the left. He's strong. He's physical. He's just everything you want in a centre back. He can't. He's not. He's not a ball player. He's not classy. But apart from being classy, he's just a great player. Really good in the air. Mentally strong. Defensively strong. Physically strong. Um, what sports he called again? Elton Searching. What's he looking for? We still oh, hasn't found on. what he's looking for. Exactly. I, was, I was listening to Elton some YouTube. Search. I was listening to some YouTube. Elton the car on the way back. Yeah. Elton searching. I love it. Yeah. And so he's been he's dropped straight into centre back. Um Valber Huerta, interestingly, was injured for the first part of the season. So actually he ended up playing alongside a Jeddah uh, in defence with then Darlan Darlan Mendez. Came from Chaka Penze <laughs> to oh, the big university de Chile, but uh, yeah, so that so that's kind of how it, so that's how it's played out. So the and then a couple more. I won't touch on the rest of them too much because there were not that many exciting signings apart from that. I bought I bought in some depth fullbacks, um, just to have some rotation options. My two fullbacks actually, who were rubbish, who were the backup fullbacks, retired anyway. So I was like, well, that solves the problem. Um, so I bought in Lucas Souza from Deportivo Antofagasta. Solid. He's a bit better going forward than Zuniga, who's my current right back. Or, well, still is, uh, but was the starting right back last season. And he's been really good. Um, so the starting 11. Uh, and then with uh, with Vigero going, um, Campos, who was the backup, had to step up. Um, yeah, so so that so the starting eleven is uh, Cristobal Campos in goal, Morales at the left, Huerta searching. Huerta's come into the starting eleven now. Searching Zuniga, Ajeda, Darla Mendes on the left side of midfield, Asadi. Uh, Aaron Geese and Flores and Mini Cooper and as and actually it's a good squad. It's like a properly good, like modular squad. Like you can drop La Rossa into central midfield. Dario Osorio the left. I've played Asadi on the left. Uh, I've played obviously. I've not even included Barbosa in that starting eleven, but he can play there. Um, yeah. I'll explain why I'm a bit more defensive 
for this match that I'm setting up for. But anyway, so probably time to talk about the fixtures. I'm, I'm just to put it into perspective in league terms. I'm six games in, so I'll talk you through, through how those have gone. And I'm pretty pleased. But what was nice was I had a very uh, podcast start to the season. So you'll you'll understand why in a second. So it sounds like you got sacked if you've had a very podcast start to the season. <laughs> oh, that's your side of the pod, Tom. I don't, I don't deal in that kind of... Uh... So we started off against Audax Italiano at home. Yeah, let's uh, get on. Boys in uh, green. The boys in green. Unfortunately, it wasn't a good day to be a fan of the boys in green. Yeah. The mini Cooper starting where he left off in the ninth minute, opening his account, first game of the season. Before Lucas Barbosa, the Santos, uh, the Santos signing, uh, made made an impact immediately. Uh, scored two headers. So nice to have a midfielder with some aerial presence. He scored one in the 38 yeah, from a corner and then finished off the the game and the 89th minute from a cross that he, he did a bit of a Lampard and ran in late to the box, but he got his head on it uh, in the 89th minute to make a nice 3-0 win against Audax Italiano. And then the game that I'd been waiting for the long-awaited return to Concepcion to play Arturo Fernandez Vial away yeah. in 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 the stadium that I'd, I'd, that Renzo had made his name in, and well, we carried on where we left off at the back end of last season against them. Uh, we went a goal down through Richard Paredes in the seventh minute, which proved to be their only chance of the game. And from then on in, it was just all us. Uh, Lucas Asadi got us a level terms on 65th minute. Then Mamini made it 2-1 in the 85th. So I think it oh, great, we probably got the win. And was pretty chill. Then Elton Searching gets his, gets his uh, from centre-back, gets on the end of a corner, searching out the corners of the net on the 87th minute to make it 3-1. And then Mamini just pops up to rub salt in the wounds of his former employers to make it 4-1. So that was a nice start. A 3-0 against Deportes La Serena followed, which was nice because that was one of my most frustrating games of last season with a mini hat-trick for good measure by the 27th minute. Uh, game was done, didn't score anymore. Nothing really happened after that. I think I took him off. And Osendon, who's the backup striker, who's a regen, who's our youth prospect, just has done nothing all season in whatever position I play. But I'm just trying to get him minutes in any game where the game is dead and I feel the game's dead. Um, Brab won all against O'Higgins in the fourth game of the season. Not much to talk about. And then this was a really frustrating game because I did exactly that. I thought the game was dead at 2-0, took my mini Cooper off, uh, put Ossendon on and against Deportes Recoleta and they came back through goals in the 78th minute. And then a real killer um, there, central midfielder, who was probably the best player in the game that game, Tadeo Marchiori, 
curled in an absolute worldie from about 30 yards out, having nicked the ball off uh, one of our midfielders who had just been really lazy and just like knocked the ball just in his path, obviously, to be nicked. So I was absolutely fuming. It was one of those games where I was like, I kind of kicked myself because it was so obviously three points lost, well, two points lost, yeah. but... But the, we sh- we should have won that. We were so much better than them that game, and it was me trying to be trying to get players, you know, playing time as opposed to playing for the win. So that brings us on to the game that you really talked about as well, which is the Copa Sudamericana first round playoffs. So mine was against Palestino, and you're right. I felt completely anxious about this because. Who doesn't want to play continental football? And the fact that you you know you do really well, and you're not actually even guaranteed a Sudamericana group spot for where you finish in the league. Like you've got to qualify, um, no matter which of the, no matter whether you finish fifth or eighth, you've got to qualify. Which to me seems really unnecessary and cruel. But so my first leg was against Palestino. And yeah, as I said, I'm really tense. Really, I was really taking this seriously. I think the first game in a while that I was taking like really, that I felt stressed about. Like if we mess this up, this I didn't even know the financial ramifications, but just the, just the, just the ramifications of not making the group stage. But our boys, both of them, doing us proud. My mini in the sixth minute gets things going and gets things settled down against Palestino. And then not much happened except that we get a second through Dario Osorio in the 85th. And and that's the first leg. Comfortable league going into the second leg. Yeah, comfortable league lead, but at home. And, you know, we could have... My only concern is we could have had three, we could have had four, but we didn't put them away. And that was a bit, bit frustrating. So then one more, uh, one recent league game, uh, one final league game. So the sixth league game that I played was uh, against Deportes of GK, who've just been promoted. And we ran out comfortable victors 4-2 with a hat-trick from Mamini Cooper and Asadi getting the goal from midfield. So again, another, another fantastic start to the year. Um well, not another fantastic start, but a fantastic start to the year. Um, Mamini Cooper, Evo Mamini Cooper, uh, six appearances, 10 goals, zero oh, assists. Crazy. Yeah, good. That's the start I want. I, I want Mamini Cooper always to have zero assists. I don't want him using his talents or wasting his talents setting up people. Maybe he's goals, goals, <laughs> goals. Well, what's crazy for me is last season he got four assists for Fernandez Vial, and 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 then since it's like he joins his new club is the most selfish person in the world will not pass <laughs> the ball to anyone, and then it takes him like it it's like it takes him a year to find out where his teammates are, and then he finally thinks oh maybe other people can score as well if I pass to them, but. He's on an eight point one seven. The man's the man's a madman. I've just he's no he's so consistent. I'm almost bored. You know what I mean? Because there's no drama. <laughs> it, 
He's so consistent. He's the most consistent striker I've ever had on FM. He's unbelievable. Um, the one thing I do want to... So all of that means that we are in second, which I'm really pleased nice. about, after Very six, nice. with four, four wins, two draws, and a, a goal difference of plus 11 and 14 points. Yeah, that's good. But I want to talk about Universidad Catalica very quickly because I have never seen a team that is so good at getting the result. They have won every single game. But just to put it into perspective, they won their first 3-0. But since then, they have played Palestino 1-1-0, played Colo Colo 1-2-1, played Huchapiato away, win 1-0. Play Kukimbo Unido, win 2-0. Play Audax Italiano, win 1-0. I've never seen such a consistent, like, scraping the result from any team. Yeah. Like, that... I agree. They don't tend to batter teams in my save either. They tend to win. They just tend... they just win, right? I funnily enough, I actually they they were unbeaten. In fact, they've not only unbeaten; they've won every single game until I played them. I actually I actually beat them two 0 in my in this season. Marlon Vladovsky got two goals, but like then they went on a slightly bad run of drop of dropping points and stuff. But they're just they're just so good. so consistent. I've, I've just yeah. the only team it reminds that's me. That's what's that's right. That's what's nice for the two of us, right? We can both. That's a good challenge for both of us. You know, Ooh. there is this one standout team, right? Where we can both try and topple them as at Italiano and at um, Universidad yeah. de Chile. The only team I've seen that's like this on FM that I've ever come against was Maurizio Pochettino's Milan, the one season that I didn't win the league. Because I won the league with Juventus 10 years in a row, but one season Pochettino managed to put together a Milan team that just just didn't drop points. I've never seen a team like it that they weren't exceptional, but they just didn't drop points. I just I think they ended up with a hundred points or something stupid in mm. just in Serie A. But anyway, so that's where we are, and I'm really excited. I've got the next game is the second leg against Palestino, so a lot to play for. Will I make? the Sudamericana group stages? If so, who am I going to face? Any exciting away days to be planned? And and a lot more to come. And, and you know, fingers crossed for both of us, if there's a chance for... Uh, is there a chance for... For some for some Libertadores action going forward? We, we shall see. Yeah, we'll find out. Hopefully, hopefully. What one final question? Sorry, I know we wanted to wrap up soon, but one final question. Um, in terms of your time at Universidad de Chile, obviously you've only just joined there, but how you spent longer at um, Arturo Fernandez Vial than I did at my previous clubs. How long do you think you'll stay at Universidad de Chile, and what is the point at which you you'll know that you've done what you want to do and you're going to move on? Oh, that's a really good question. That's a really good question. You can defer that to the next pod if you want, if you need a bit more time to, to understand the club. I think I think for me, it's when I know that I can't take them further. And I don't know what that looks like, but if that's a string of second-place finishes in the league, it's that. If that's 
winning I know I said last episode I'd like to win a couple of league titles um if I can do that but I can't take them any further in continental competition then that's what it will have to be I think it's when I know that the best work that I've done at Universidad de Chile has been done um and that and it, you know if we get to a Libertadores semi-final and and we equal the best Universidad de Chile have ever done in the Libertadores, then then that's good enough for me if I can't win it. But but I I think I, as you said, Tom, in when we did the planning episode, I think I know what it will be. I just don't know when. Yeah, that makes sense. I think I'm in, I'm in a similar spot. I think I'm. I'm. I really like this team. I really like what we're doing. I don't. I don't know that point. I, I asked it because I'm. I'm in the same spot. I don't know when it's going to be. I like to think I might be able to get close to winning a title, but equally, the whole point of this is I'm. I feel like if someone from Argentina or Brazil came knocking in the top division of Argentina or Brazil, I don't think I could turn it down. So, and, and you know, now I've played Red Bull, um, the Red Bull team from Brazil. I feel like. I, I kind of was a bit of an equal to them, I'm thinking, well, could that could that offer from the top division of Brazil or top division of Argentina be coming soon? And if it did, what would I do? And I mm. genuinely, genuinely don't know. I think it would have to depend on the team. Absolutely, and I do. What I do like is what Universidad de Chile has done for my reputation, uh, having been a, a nobody. You know. I've never been so happy to have a minimal reputation in something in my life to be two and a half stars <laughs> now uh, and, you know, almost and 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 studying for a national A licence uh, compared to where I started uh, or where Renzo started this journey. It's uh, it's it's definitely progress, put it to put it that way. You'll be, you'll be pleased to know I'm also two and a half, but I'm actually studying for my continental pro license. Not to brag, but if you need any how help, many, how many years any, how many years are with, you in the future, Tom? If you need any help with your uh, your revision for your A license, I'm sure I've got a few textbooks I can uh, give you second. Hand. Oh, very nice. What year are you? 2028, 29? 2028. Yeah, I've got, I've got got a couple of years, Tom. I think I'll be all right. Right, I think that's definitely as Tom points to his hand and pulls a watch, pulls uh, performs a watch gesture. It's definitely time for us to wrap up. So, uh, great to talk to you again, uh, Tom, and good to hear the latest update from Audax Italiano. You've been listening to Who Uses a Director of Football, a Sudamericana Adventure. With myself, Lewis, and my co-host, Tom. Got there. Have a great week. And thank you all for listening. We really appreciate it. And catch you all next time. What Lewis is trying to say is goodbye. Goodbye. (laughs) 